Alright, well hello everyone, I'm James Aaron and this is Speculative Work, my science fiction author's diary, where I share what I accomplished last week, goals for this coming week, and what I've learned and mistakes I've made, so hopefully you don't make them too. This week I'm going to talk about how I'm done with Google products for the time being, and looking at ways to transition away from Google and what that might mean for my workflow and also for how I save files and things like that. Um, also, I don't remember if I shared this or not, but the first Galactic Law Publishers Pack is launching on Audible on June 30th. And I am very excited about that. I haven't had a series on Audible for almost a year now. So this new one is, I'm really excited to see how it's going to do. I've got a, a really great narrator and... It's just kind of a different production altogether. So I'm excited about that. Also, multiple revenue streams are always good. And this one is published by Podium, who does great work and has access to a lot of marketing and advertising avenues that haven't had in the past. So I'm excited about that. Okay, storage fiasco. Last week, I talked about how I had hit the... Or I'd... I'd run out of time with my Google One account and I was paying for two terabytes of storage and only using uh, like 270 gigabytes, which was just, I was like in between their storage tiers, which was weird. And it was $100 a year, which I've paid for in the past, but I just paid $100 for a OneDrive subscription, which gives you an office, you know, Microsoft office subscription and allows you to share that with, I want to say it's eight people. It might be five, but uh, I want to say it was like eight family members. It was pretty generous and I need office for my work. So it felt, and here's the other thing about OneDrive is they give you one terabyte of storage. So it felt kind of dumb to be paying for Google and then also be paying for the Microsoft product. And I'm realizing more and more that this is how, you know, companies are getting you with these free products is as you save up more storage, like it becomes a real hassle to move all your things from one place to another. Because I think last week I talked about how I was going to download everything out of Google Drive and then decide what to do with it. Well, it took a solid four days to download everything out of Google Drive. And granted, the connection out in my office is not the greatest. I think it's about 20 megabits per second. But still, it just took a long time, and it failed a couple times, so I had to to restart. And But anyway, I thought that I had downloaded everything. I thought that I was good to go. I made a fatal mistake, which you sh I hope that listening to this, you won't make. I did not go into my local drive. So once I downloaded everything using Google Backup and Sync, which is the name of their program, I disconnected the account so that it would stop syncing, and then I kind of looked through and made sure all the... You know, the folders were there. Um, there's a lot of random files that end up not being in folders. And so I just scanned through the list. Yep, those are all there. Well, then I went to Google Docs, Google Drive, and I started deleting things because I needed to get back to being under actually 17 gigs total between my Photos account, my Gmail account, and Google Drive. Now, Photos does a thing where they'll give you unlimited storage as long as your fo your photos are um i think it's at 4k or either 1080p um storage and i do save all my photos offline the only ones that automatically get uploaded from the phone you know that's the max resolution that they're at anyway currently with the phone that i have so 
So that was okay. I went ahead and set that to change the resolution. It allowed me to search for any videos that I had not been able to change to a different resolution. And all those I had backups of or they were just weird things that I went ahead and deleted. So that wasn't a big deal. I went through my Google Drive and I sorted by, it allows you to sort by what they call storage quota. And so I looked through that. I found a bunch of kind of random things that were taking up a lot of space that I'd collected over the years, deleted those, and then basically started deleting of the other stuff that I thought was backed up. While I'm doing this, I was thinking a lot about the things that were actually in that storage. You know, I, I know this about myself, and as I've thought about it a lot, it's something I'm trying to improve, but I, I hoard things and I'm certainly not as bad as, you know, the hoarders you see on TV, but I love to collect things. I love to collect books. I love to collect games. I <laughs> love to collect tools, all these things that, you know, it may, maybe it comes from like three, two generations back when my family was very much hard hit by the depression and, you know, growing up in the Ozarks. I, I mean, I had two uncles that the whole reason my family came out to Oregon is their family couldn't feed them. So they basically told them to go find someplace to live. And so they hitchhiked out to Oregon and worked as migrant, um, you know, workers and one ended up staying. And that's how my family ended up out here because they ended up in the timber industry. So it feels like it's embedded in my DNA to hang on to stuff. My grandpa on my father's side had a ton of things. I mean, he's a man who wanted a, a basement, so he dug it out from underneath the house by, you know, five-gallon bucket at a time until he had a workshop underneath the house. And then he would just hang on to, I, I want to say they had probably about two acres, maybe an acre, but I don't know. It was There was just stuff. And one of the big events of my childhood was going back to Springfield, Missouri for a summer so we could spend a week just cleaning out the yard of all the stuff. And it was a really interesting event for my dad because I know he like came across a lot of things that he remembered from his childhood. And for him growing up, like if he wanted a toy or if he wanted something, he basically had to make it himself. Like there was just no money for any of these kind of things. And so now when I was growing up, my father's kind of the same way. Like he's a huge, I mean, he has a huge engineering mind. He can build or make almost anything. He's a retired uh, diesel mechanic now, still works on large scale um, excavation equipment and timber equipment, things like that. But he's got five acres and it's almost like, you know, in apocalyptic movies when they show up to, you know, the guy's house that has, that can make all the stuff and they go into the, the scene, the montage scene where we're making all of our, um, our weapons and we're upgrading the, the truck to be, you know, stand up against zombies and whatnot. Like that's my dad's place. Like anything that I could possibly want, I could go there and probably find it in order to make what I want to make. You know, he's got all the tools I could want between the welders, the cutters, the, the pipe fitters, the, um, benders, presses, um, you know, for carpentry, everything as well. And electronics, he's designed his own electronics. Like when I was a kid, we would make circuit boards together. And, and so there's just a, it's kind of been built into me to want to hang on to things. And I've done a pretty good job of not hanging on to physical things. And, you know, books are probably my biggest downfall. I love Nintendo games, like original Nintendo Game Boy games and things like that. So I have a collection of those, but they don't take up a lot of space. 
And I'm in a phase right now, like one of the transitions with my job has been allowing me to have time to actually sort through and organize what's in my yard. Cause we have, we have a half acre and while it hasn't been crazy, there are definitely places that I wish I had, you know, were more organized. Like my tools aren't how I would like them to be. And it's sometimes it's hard to find things. And, and now with our toddler, you know, she's super inquisitive and wants to get into everything. I can't leave anything around where she might get at it. I keep looking around the yard and every time I see something I'm like, Oh, that's dangerous. Oh, that's dangerous. Like, Oh, that can't leave that. You know, the next, the next step is her like cutting off her thumb with a pair of, um, you know, tree trimmers or something. So I, I want to get a better handle on this stuff. So I've done pretty well with that. But when it comes to the digital side, this feels like something, it's a new problem for our generation. And you know, I love computers. I have collected computers over time and I've done a pretty good job of getting rid of computers that I wasn't using anymore. But the amount, the number of laptops that have come through my life are almost like the number of cars that have gone through my brother's life. He's like really into working on cars. <laughs> for me, it's, it's uh, computers, but I, fortunately I can give a lot of that stuff to e-waste places, but there's a strong desire to hang on to it. But so one thing, when you're rebuilding computers, uh, you need drivers, right? You need all the software that, you know, if you're going to rebuild a, an original iBook from like 2004 or five or something, which isn't technically that far in the past, there's a lot of software that you just can't get these days, or you got to search for it online and you're lucky if you can download it or not download it. Or I've gone through these projects where I downloaded a bunch of stuff, I saved it, and then I didn't end up doing anything with it. And the time that I spent downloading all that, I just, I think about that and it's like wasted. You feel like you're accomplishing something, but you're not actually accomplishing anything. And that's, that's frustrating. So I was dragging around, like when I go back, when I was going back through my Google one storage, I was finding all these things and it was bringing up all these like past projects that I, I don't even use or, or have anything to do with anymore. Same thing with email. You know, when I think about different phases of my life, when Gmail came into my life, and there was this idea that, you know, never delete another email. Well, you know what? I think it's pretty good to delete email. Actually, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there that I just don't care to look at. Like I was even, as I was doing a little bit of, re, you know, background research for this podcast, I was like, what is the, when did I send my first Gmail email? And it was back in 2004 when I got one of the, um, you know, invite only uh, codes to use Gmail. And then I turned around and they gave you 10 invites that you could send out to other people. And that was their way of pulling people into the ecosystem. And that's another thing thinking about is that I, they really preyed on a person's desire to be part of an in-group, to be part of the cool crowd <laughs> as I look back on this. But anyway, like looking back at those emails and just reading like the way some of the stuff that I said, it's like, it's just cringe to me. Like, I don't want to read that. I don't want to think about like, even though that person was a fully fledged adult, they sound like an idiot to me. And I don't want to, I don't want to hear from that person. Maybe my mindset will change. Maybe it would be, it's useful to have this stuff, but there's plenty of other things in there that I don't need. Like I've been archiving advertisements and promotional emails forever. I was getting emails from like a Yahoo motorcycle forum forever. And I would just send that stuff to archive so that I could search for it later. I don't even know how many gigabytes there might be of that stuff in Gmail. And I never looked at it again. I never went back and did anything with it. And now I look at these things and it's just, it's all time. You know, the time I spent to collect this stuff, to put it in Google Drive, and then never do anything with it. 
I don't know what kind of profile Google might have built on me or what they think my brain operates as, but, but it's really, you know, now I find myself wanting to, I would like email to be more meaningful. I would like communication to be more meaningful. And that's one reason why I think Gmail really lowers the value of email. You know, I've been spending time, if an email that I get like pulls my attention away or is not of value to me, I either immediately unsubscribe or delete it. I used to delete. Now I unsubscribe or make an effort to unsubscribe so I can get rid of it and not see it again. But even that is frustrating because sometimes these email providers can be so tricky about finding where the unsubscribe link is that that wastes time. And then before I know it, I've, you know, spent five minutes or 10 minutes trying to do this thing that shouldn't have taken that much time at all. I mean, even in going back to find my oldest email, I then started, you know, that was a task that should have taken me like two seconds, right? Well, then there's like a, an emotional hook there. And I start seeing these emails to people and I click on them and I read it. And it's like, oh crap, 20 minutes just went by. And I don't need that. I don't have time to go back and, and mess with those things. Maybe I should have more time. Maybe I should spend more time reflecting on how I've changed from that person to who I am now. But that's something I can do without the email, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, the email is actually not as troubling to me as the files. Like when I go back and look at the files, especially files that have just moved from computer to computer, um, I just don't need them. And then here's the other thing. So the big lesson I learned when you back up things like things that you created within Google Drive. So like docs files, sheets files, you know, spreadsheets, uh, presentations. If you back those up to your computer with the expectation that you're going to have an offline version of that file on your computer, you do not. What you downloaded was basically a bookmark to the online file and if you delete that online file, it's gone. That And I should have known that. Like, I'm a person that thinks of myself as being relatively savvy when it comes to this sort of product, this sort of online service. I've been using it for a long time. And I'm sure I probably read this somewhere. I've probably even read someone else going through this, you know, problem. But again, like, all this junk, this, like, digital list is a representation of all the crap I'm supposed to remember, I guess. And that's frustrating because it makes it even harder to focus. Um, I deleted everything that I had created in Google Docs that was in a folder. And the things that were in folders were all things I was more likely to have wanted to hang on to because I had organ I had made the effort to organize them. So things from my job for the past nine years, almost, I'd done a ton of projects using Google Docs, a lot of writing, a lot of basically just anything created in Google Docs is gone. <laughs> I I do a lot of budgeting and, you know, planning in using Google Sheets. That's all gone now. Some of it I hadn't bothered to organize. And so I still have those things. But the main thing that was the most painful was I had written out a full outline for a series, including character profiles, and I even gotten some feedback on it and that's gone now. So frustrating. That is frustrating, <laughs> but I'm not, it, there's also kind of a freeing feeling that comes along with it. That's the one thing that I, I was actively using. There was some budget documents that I used to track like our, our weekly and monthly and annual budget budgeting. I can recreate all those things because, because I use them all the time, 
I did like having the actual sheets from, you know, three years ago. So I could go back and kind of look at how we were spending money and whatnot. And those are gone now, but okay, I'll just keep moving forward. It's got me thinking about something that I read, you know, writing advice I read back when I first started studying about writing, like probably when I was in high school, you know, and a lot of the guides you would get had been written in the eighties, even late seventies, people who were writing on typewriters, people who were handwriting and then moving to typewriters. And some of the advice that, that I remember would be always retype the thing that you wrote the day before or rewrite the last page from memory. And that's a way to make it more clean, make it more concise. It's almost better the second time around. And that's something that I've really gotten away from because when you have something digitally, you don't have to do any retyping at all. You can basically just go back and fix things. And there is some value in that, I think, actually. So when I think about this outline that I need need to recreate, I'm kind of more frustrated about the time lost that I put into it because now it's going to take me, you know, a solid day to go through and do that again. But I'm probably going to come up with a better product than I had before. And we'll, we'll see. That's my thought. But otherwise, all that stuff is is gone. I don't feel super bad about it. I was hanging on to the work things, you know, just in case, like, okay, if I got another job in the same field that I'd been in, um, I would have all these uh, documents that I could use, you know, if I need to go recreate something. But I'll just recreate it. Like, that's, I would hope, what keeps your brain sharp in a given skill, right? That you can sit down and make something from scratch and not have to always go back to a template, And in a lot of industries, like you hear that, like, Hey man, you got a template, like, Hey, you got, you got something I can work off of, or I can build off of, or don't recreate the wheel. Well, sometimes when we do that, we don't make anything better because we're always just going back to an old template and updating the dates. Right. And then you end up with mistakes because somebody forgot to cut and paste or search for some given thing. And then it creates confusion. And that has also cut, you know, caused me plenty of headaches when it came to, uh, to work. And I think the same thing could carry over into my writing. So that's where I'm at with the storage. I mean, my plan right now is I will be moving things over to OneDrive because it certainly appears that when you create something in OneDrive, it creates a word file. And then if you choose to sync that with the OneDrive folder on whatever PC you're using, it saves it as a word document or an Excel sheet or whatever. So it's actually there. I'm going to keep testing that (laughs) and I'm probably going to even move to a more hardcore kind of backup because there are plenty of other services out there that are much cheaper than even OneDrive or Google One, but you just need to upload everything to that service and then you can navigate it using Windows Explorer or, you know, if you're in Linux or Mac, it has an Explorer front end you can use because that was the other thing I was running into, like deleting files in OneDrive took me days like it doesn't and I had to go search out an API that would actually delete the files like it would only delete what you could see on the screen if you were doing it manually and that was a huge time suck I couldn't believe how difficult they made it to delete anything and even once I had if I had deleted it it took it a couple days to filter through and show that I had the um I had the storage space back And that's probably not a big deal, but I kept getting warnings on every one of my Google services that if you don't pay to renew your storage, you might not get your, your email, you know, you might not be able to do this. And that, that just feels like, I know that's probably not the case, but that, I don't know. (laughs) I was, I felt that was very customer aggressive 
by Google. Um, that was not a friendly thing for them to do. You're doing evil, Google, and that's frustrating to me. <laughs> it doesn't help my headspace when I need to be focusing on other things. So I'll probably be doing some kind of backup out of OneDrive and then moving, you know, backing everything up to another service of some kind. And then same thing for my photos. Um, because I do have, uh, I shoot with a Canon SLR that I save most of those to my PC, but I've lost enough hard drives in the past that I've been uploading to Flickr and I may search out another kind of storage as well. But I don't know, I guess just a word of warning for anybody using, you know, Google One or Google Docs. If that is your sole form of storage, you know, I think if all you did was make Google Docs and Sheets and things like that, you're probably never going to go over the 17 gig cap that they give you. But if you use it for any other kind of backup, like as soon as you start, you know, kind of buying into their backup and sync service and thinking that you can save other things in there, it's probably, you're probably going to very quickly go over that cap and then create some problems for yourself because it's difficult to sort through and find what's important and not important. So there's my two cents on that. <laughs> the storage fiasco. Um, and yeah, I, I do feel better with a lot of these things gone. So I'm giving more thought to that on what I need to keep and not keep. How am I organizing my things? Because I go back and it's very difficult to find even short stories that I've written or, I mean, and here's the thing about writing fiction too. Like I, this is one thing I definitely learned through the critique process. It's that same sort of template idea. I think once you write a short story, um, if the story doesn't work, is doesn't like 75% work that you could fix with a little bit of editing. Like I would just rewrite it. That's what I do personally. Same thing with at this point with a novel project, like I need to be able to write it clear through and have it be pretty much good where three passes are going to make it good. Otherwise it's probably too fundamentally broken to be saved. And so I need, that's why I outline so heavily. That's why I do the character work. And for those old, when I think about these old novels that I have, like every now and then I think, yeah, I should do something with that. Or I should go back through and edit that. It's like, well, the time I spend trying to make something work, I really could just write something new that I know would be, you know, 80% good that I can get to a hundred percent with less effort than what it would take to go back and try and fix something that's fundamentally busted. And so that old stuff, it's fine that it just stays. And I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily go back to it. I, I think about, you know, recently I read uh, a history of Ernest Hemingway in the twenties in Paris before he wrote the sun also rises and the archivist had access to all these letters and, you know, previous drafts. And there's the Hemingway library that has all these drafts of work. So they can see multiple iterations of a thing. And I really wonder what that's going to look like in the future for writers working today. <laughs> like all these various digital archives spread out across services that may or may not be dead or may or may not give up that information that you might want to have. Like, what does that look like for an artist to give their Google account to a university? Right. That's not, I don't know. Don't see that happening. So interesting thing to think about. So moving on to this next week, uh, or as far as other work I tried to get done last week, I was chipping away at Sentience Wars 4, just putting in word counts every day. This week is going to be a really heavy word count week, and I'm trying something that will be a little bit different for me. Um, ForTheWords.com, the number four, the words, I think I've talked about this in like the past three episodes, has a battle you can do where it's, it's kind of like that website, um, Write or Die, where you have to type 
or you start losing against the monster. And today I'm basically going to just try and do like 10 of those fights and see where I end up, you know, for a 25 minute, um, word sprint on each of those. So I really want to work on my discipline as far as sitting down, typing, and just getting the drafting out because I feel like all these little things, these little distractions that pop up, I go down a rabbit hole and then I come back and like, crap, 40 minutes have gone by and I need this little something to help me push on through that. So I'll report back on how that works. It feels almost like a mental discipline thing that I need to keep. Like if the story isn't coming to me, then I need something to kind of spur me along and keep me, um, you know, keep me moving and getting the words out, even if the story isn't coming until the point when the story comes. And I know this isn't rocket science to anybody that <laughs> has been writing for any period of time, but I'm just working on these little tweaks to try and improve my, my daily word count. Because right now I just want to push through this project, get it done because I need to jump back into galactic four and get that finished because I've got a June 8th deadline on that draft to the editors. So and I want some time to do some editing on that as well. So I'll be working on that. Um, got a few other projects to work on this week. We got some chickens. We've had them for about a month now. I don't think I talked about it in the podcast, but we got six baby chicks for my daughter to you know have fun with, and so far she's completely enamored of them. And then I had a buddy that had a, a hen that apparently was kind of loud, although she hasn't been very loud for us. Um, that needed a new home. So I went and picked her up on Saturday and brought her over. And I I was needing to build a coop anyway for the chicks. And I had another coop, but it's like, it's just way too big. And some raccoons got in and unfortunately decimated our last group of chickens. And so we hadn't had chickens for about three years. And we love chickens. We have plenty of space for them. There have been times when we had too many chickens. There was a point when we had 20 chickens. And I'll tell you, that's too many chickens. Um, they will they will destroy your yard. Like, I didn't have to mow. That was awesome. But there were also places where we had no grass, no nothing, because the chickens had, had done their job. And you reach a point where you have too many eggs to do anything with. And my wife was selling eggs. That was great. But we would have to drive places to deliver the eggs. And that took time. And so by the time you did the math on, you know, buying the feed, delivering the eggs, doing washing all the eggs, it was a pretty big time sink. And I didn't, I don't necessarily want to be a chicken farmer. <laughs> so, so at this point, seven chickens is fine. We don't necessarily ever name our chickens just because of what we've gone through with raccoons in our area. But I do definitely want to build kind of a chicken, you know, barricade and I'm going to go pick up some, you know, good solid, um, rabbit wire and things like that so that it's going to be pretty solid but it's going to be smaller and i'm also going to install an automatic door for the chickens so we can get all that scored away but that's going to that's going to happen most likely on saturday this week so i need to make sure i get all of my work done up through friday so i've got time on saturday to devote to these other yard things that i need to i need to do and speaking of these other projects one thing i wanted to mention that my wife and i did this week we had a little bit of a some friction on sunday because I was trying to get some yard work done. You know, we have a half acre and, and the grass has just been growing like it's, you know, a mutant of some kind. And if I don't, it gotten up to like, you know, six, I want to say like eight inches in places. If I don't mow it, then it's going to be a super fight later on. And I had like one day where there was sun. Well, my wife wanted to bake a cake for an event. And, you know, we kind of like smashed into each other on these different priorities. And it's, it's terrible because 
we know that we shouldn't be having a hard time about this, but we both have things we want to do. Um, we just need to improve our communication about how we're planning this stuff out. So this week we actually made an effort yesterday. We sat down and like looking at what the weather was going to be like for the week and what we could get accomplished. We made a plan for the week working together to get this stuff done. And as far as the lockdown goes, like, I think it's, it's really pushed us to have to improve our communication around these things, you know, with our daughter, there are times normally my wife would take her out someplace else, which would give me more time to work. And that's been difficult not being able to do that because she wants to come out and knock on my door or, you know, she wants to play with me and, and I, I don't have the heart to tell her no, but these are just ongoing things that take more communication to figure this stuff out. And I really wanted to, you know, something we agreed on Sunday was, that okay, we'll make a plan. And it was really important to me that I followed through on that on Monday and we sat down and made the plan. And now we're only on the second day of it, but so far we're, uh, we're following what we meant to do. So that's been a good thing. And I would highly recommend that to anyone. If you have things you want to get done, if you've got conflicting priorities between your house, you know, if you have a yard or some other thing, like I need to change the oil in the car or go get something done and your work and you're working at home. For me, the more communication, the better. Like it just, at that point, you know, if we have to come back and say, oh, I forgot that we talked about that, at least we did talk about it. And that has made things a lot better. <laughs> so I would highly recommend that. So, okay, goals for this week, like I mentioned, I'm really pushing through on some word counts. I feel like I've said that the last four weeks, but this week is the crunch week. So we'll see how that goes. And then once I get that, get the draft on Sentience Wars 3, I'll be able to jump into Galactic Law 4, which is exciting because that's finishing up that series and is going to allow me to move on to some different things. I don't remember if I talked about the fact that Variant Publishing has offered me my own series, and we've mapped out the outline for that, and we're working on the covers, and we'll be able to jump in, I'll be able to jump into the writing. And the way this is going to go is, basically I'll deliver the first two books, and then it'll it'll publish. So I'm thinking, you know, probably sometime fall is when that would be appearing. But that series is going to be called uh, Sword of the Stars, and it's a far future space opera with some strong kind of grimdark tones, but kind of a Star Wars. Like, I think there's still going to be a, a strong mix of science and it's science fiction, but it's going to have some really humanistic violence and other um, kind of conflicts going on. Like, it, it'll still be most likely a first person point of view following one person on an adventure across their galaxy. So you're not going to be getting a lot of like intrigue and, you know, game of Thrones kind of things, but I do want it to have a really vast scope. So I'm excited about that. And then I've got a personal project that I've been looking at called Vagamon space that that's actually the outline that I lost. So I'm going to be rewriting that. And that's more of a personal project that I think if I'm able, like the thing is I need to be able to get consistent work done on these these projects that I've been contracted for, but I would like to do that one as more of a self-published thing if, if it works out. And that might be something where I do like 60,000 words every two months or something, but we'll see how that goes. I'm going to keep pushing ahead on that. So, all right. Thank you for listening. Um, I appreciate you checking in and until next week, I hope you have some good writing. I will talk to you later. (laughs) 